1: these guys are nothing! You hear me? They please just like we do. Yes, sir. They sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay then let's play. But they're cheating us too. they gives us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. Show,
0: Talk 103.9
1: News, Money, Sports, I am Rob Rowe, the host, you are the co-host, you can text in 806-855-3712, as always, that text line is literally always open, 806-855-3712, 24-7, you can text in about anything, and we'll read it when we get here. We always enjoy having random midnight text messages that we can come in and respond to. We've got a few texts from the last hour, but you guys can fill it up on this show, too. We'll also have an interview with a bowl executive coming up to talk about how bowls are decided, why the SEC feels like they can do whatever they want, and more. If you have questions for the bowl season executive, you can send those in, too, and I will do my best to ask some pertinent questions that involve Texas Tech and otherwise It is power ranking Thursday we'll have to get to those early today as we do have the interview at one thirty that you can be involved with 806-855-3712 uh, but I do want to talk about Texas Tech basketball for a little bit. We'll just open with them, and then we'll get to our power rankings. We can also get to any power ranking that you want to power rank. Send me your random power rankings, and I will react to them. I don't want you to give me prompts to power rank. I want you to give me full thought-out power rankings, and I will react to what you say. That's how we do this here on Power Ranking Thursday on the Rob Bros Show. We will open with the text messages, though. I've heard some people say Mississippi State is an option for the Texas Bowl, but you played them last year and yada, yada, yada. Okay. Here's the deal on Mississippi State or any SEC team. They don't draft like the Pac 12 or the Big 12 and just kind of give you the options. They're fiddling little greasy fingers at the top of the conference. Basically see where everybody else is going and plug in good matchups that they think they can win. But the the SEC doesn't care about bowl season. They don't care about bowl season so much so that they will choose one-on-one matchups that they think they can win. But they don't care. But they do want to win. But they don't care about winning because it's not a national champion. They care about national championships in the SEC but they will doctor and dictate one-on-one matchups that they think will be good for the SEC, but they don't care. I just want to reiterate that the SEC doesn't care about bowl games. Um, No, I don't think that Mississippi State would be against Texas Tech, matched up against Texas Tech for a second straight season. They try not to do that. It happens sometimes. They also try to not put teams in the same bowl year after year. Which is one of the reasons why I think Texas Tech could still be in play for the Alamo Bowl. But that would be a Texas choice, I think, and not an Alamo Bowl choice. I think if the Alamo Bowl had their druthers, they would just have Texas every year. I don't really think they care one way or the other on that. But if Texas doesn't want to go to the Alamo Bowl every other year, then Texas could choose the Cheez-It Bowl and a trip to Orlando. Uh, and then it it might be that Oklahoma jumps everybody and goes to the Alamo Bowl. But it would be because Texas said no. Or it could be that the Alamo Bowl says, alright, we'll take Texas Tech. Uh, but it would be Texas making that decision. So I don't think that'll happen. I think Texas would just as soon reward... What they're doing at that level. All right, a couple thoughts on the basketball game last night. Daniel Baccio is legitimate. Pop Isaacs might be the second best player on this team. He is certainly playing well enough to be labeled as such. He was the leader last night that got you back involved and got you back on course And then Davian Harmon kind of took over at the end of the game to get you the 14-point lead. If I was ranking a circle of trust or pyramid, those three guys, Bacho, Isaacs, and Harmon, would be at the bottom of the pyramid. I think those are your three most important players right now. I think if Jalen Tyson is aggressive like he was last night, which he said pregame he wanted to try and do, he would be a fourth pillar. Otherwise, I don't know. Because you have NCAA tournament Kevin O'Banner, and then you have the rest of his Texas Tech tenure Kevin O'Banner, and NCAA tournament O'Banner with absolute buy-in and rebound machine, put-back machine, double-double machine, it it just doesn't show up every night. And if Kevin O'Banner wants to shoot 100 three-pointers, I'm down for that because career-wise, he hits 40% of them. If Kevin O'Banner never took another three-point shot and lived under the basket for the rest of his Texas Tech career, I would be 100% okay with that because he's really good at it. But I don't know that he can be both. He might be having a little bit of an identity issue on what he is to this team. Because in the NCAA tournament, he was absolutely the underneath basket monster. And if you can have that and put some pressure off Bacho and when he comes back, Fardos Amac, you would be really excited. And if Amac comes back and Bacho can take a breather and O'Banner can stand in the corner, maybe but this team has not been good enough a at rebounding offensive rebounding and b production off the bench and i don't know i guess fardals is not going to start on this team when he comes back because it's either fardals or or bacho maybe obanner gets benched and he's the sixth man but I don't know. Do Bacho and Fardos fit on the court together? Does Bacho play a, a high pick and roll type guy, or does Fardos play a high pick and roll type guy? I think they're both good at pick and roll. Which leads me to my next point and point of emphasis: Isaac's and Bacho half, half to run the pick and roll. Way more. Keenan Evans and Zach Smith. Level potential. On the pick and roll with Isaacs. And Bacho, And you really only saw it work twice. But Bacho wanted to do it all night long. David Harmon never saw it. Isaac's hit bacho once or twice and then Isaac's took it off the pick and roll once all three buckets Early in the game they went to his zone you shot him out of it late in the game they went to his zone you look clueless That was a huge issue last year which is why you wanted to go get three point shooting and you did You just have to do it. You have to commit to it. I said earlier on the show, the Raiderland, that there was just zero movement on offense during that lull. You look lost on both ends of the floor. You should never give up an 18-0 run against anybody, let alone Georgetown. And as far as 14-point wins go, that was about the worst way it could have happened, in my humble opinion. But you know what it was? It was a 14-point win with a still young team. I think Robert Jennings is emerging, but he has to be able to produce more, whether that's rebounds or Damarion Williams has to be able to produce more shooting the basketball. Kerwin Walton has to be able to produce more shooting the basketball. If those two guys are in, and and the other team's in a zone, those two should be shooting open threes in a zone every single possession until they're out of the zone. There was zero ball movement when they went to the zone. This off the text line, Rob, good review of both format. ESPN is looking for a name recognition and drawing a TV audience with making the ones they care about the money of advertisers well spent. Yep. And I I think that's true to an extent. I I absolutely do. And we will ask, we will ask the, uh, this is a great power rankings. I'll talk about that one later. I might close the show with that one. Uh, we will ask the the bowl uh, the bowl season executive when we get to him. Uh, that'll be at one uh, All right, let's take the break. When we come back, we'll give our pow- final power rankings for Big 12 football, and we'll also give some basketball power rankings. We'll do those quickly as we head to one thirty. It's Rob Brochow. Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. Quick segment here as we prepare for Nick Carparelli, Executive Director of Bull Season. I'm going to run through, this is not what the standings say, but I'm going to run through what I think, eye test-wise, right now the Big 12 looks like. And I'm going to go with the Don Williams approach and say who I think would win on a neutral site. All things considered, both teams play their best game. And maybe I'm a little biased here because I have Texas Tech at three. <laughs> you know if Texas Tech beat Kansas State in Manhattan and everything else happened the same this year, Tech would be playing for a Big 12 championship? TCU, obviously, 12-0, number one. Kansas State playing in the Big 12 championship, number two. Texas Tech, three. They beat Texas, they beat Oklahoma, and how everything else rolled out, I cannot put Baylor up there and just play the head-to-head game in that respect. Because I think those are the next four teams. So I'm going to say Texas Tech, Texas, Oklahoma, Baylor would be the next four. The final four, Kansas, Oklahoma State, first half Oklahoma State, top half of the Big 12, top third second half oklahoma state bottom half of the big 12 atrocious finish and then i'm finally going to move west virginia ahead of iowa state west virginia beating two teams three teams late having a better conference record performing better against conference opponents iowa state getting beat 77 to 7 whatever it was against tcu Iowa State, I'm finally ready to say, was the worst team in the Big 12 this year with one of the best defenses. They were truly 2016 Texas Tech. Except some of those breaks didn't break their way. Basketball-wise, with a couple of losses this week, I am mostly the same. I think Kansas and Texas, and we'll see Texas tonight against Creighton in Austin, but I think Kansas and Texas are 1-2 in this conference, even with Kansas doing their first loss, having their first loss. And then I would put Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas in the next tier. Kansas State alone. In a, in a third tier, because I think they're really close. And then TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State is the three worst teams in this conference. And let me tell you, the margins between that second tier with Baylor and Texas Tech, who Baylor got hammered by Marquette. And let's say TCU and Oklahoma, because I think Oklahoma State's a clear bottom team, is very thin. And I think Oklahoma State will get some Big 12 wins. But it is what it is at that point. We will end the show today with our NFL Power Rankings, but those are our Big 12 Power Rankings this week. Texas Tech jumping up to three with a win over Oklahoma. Everyone else pretty much remaining the same. Baylor dropping down past Oklahoma with their loss to Texas. Uh, And then West Virginia finally passing Iowa State. That's how we'll end The regular season, maybe we do one more after bowl season, but it's pretty much basketball season now. We'll take another break. When we come back, Nick Carparelli, the executive director of bowl season. Carparelli brings nearly 30 years of experience to the job, and bowl season brings nearly 100 years of success in the bowl season. We'll talk about that when we come back. Rob Bro show. Talk one to three point nine news money sports. Saucin', 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 saucin on you I'm, swaggin', I'm swaggin Welcome back. It is the Rob Bro Show. Talk one to three point nine News Money Sports. It's power ranking Thursday. If you want to send your power rankings in. To discuss and dissect, you can 806-855-3712, but first we'll power rank some bowl games with the Executive Director of Bowl Season, Nick Carparelli. Nick, thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. Good to be with you. Yes, sir. You're live in Lubbock, Texas. Obviously, Texas Tech Bowl Season uh, upon us, but I, I did want to ask some questions just about the general process and what it is that you do in charge of bowl season because i always hear that but i didn't know until this week that it was a like its own entity bowl season
0: yeah yeah thanks for giving me the opportunity to to explain it yeah we we haven't been our own entity for very long people have unofficially referred to this time of year as bowl season for you know for as long as either one of us can remember uh but there there you know we're there's changing times in college athletics for sure uh for, for all these years each of the you know forty one individual bowl games have have marketed and branded themselves tremendously. But uh roughly three years ago that group came together and said, you know what, it's time that we we were part of a bigger organization. We're an exciting time of year, uh, a time that people look forward to on the sports calendar. Uh just like other leagues and conferences, uh we need a mechanism to market and promote ourselves collectively. Um, especially during the month of December. So that, that's, uh, that's one of the main things we do here at bowl season is we, we promote the system as a whole and talk about all the great things, uh, uh, about, uh, about bowl games in bowl season.
1: So has there been a change in process to maybe some of these bowls communicating with each other and talking about who's taking who? And is there more of a collective experience now in bowl season?
0: Absolutely. That's one of, one of our goals. You know, we, we, uh, we have, um, you know, I meet with the full group via Zoom uh, every month to talk about common issues. We have an annual meeting every April. Everybody everybody who works for a bowl game does business with a bowl game. We had roughly 500 people at our annual meeting for four days in Orlando last April. This coming April, it's going to be in Nashville. So I, I think that's going a long way to fostering that camaraderie, that level of communication uh, amongst one another.
1: Uh, and I, I'm I'm guessing it's a strong connection with ESPN as well, who does, who airs a majority of the bowl games. Um, is this in conjunction with ESPN, or do you work with some of the other ones that are on, let's say, CBS Sports or even the, the Arizona Bowl that's not affiliated with the network at all? No, I mean, we, we our,
0: our collective group is the bowls themselves, regardless of the network that they're affiliated with. But at that annual meeting, as you would imagine, and, and other times of the year, we – We include the the various uh, television network partners, uh, ESPN being the biggest uh, investment in in bowl season, obviously. So they're a very active part of everything we do.
1: So uh, the bowl selection process, from from what I gather, used to be you kind of just had uh, some bowl representatives from whoever's looking around just going out and doing their own thing. Now it's more of a collective process, but you're still dealing with uh conferences now in the big 12 it's kind of a draft process where you have the standings and then you kind of get to pick and choose based on that draft process w- what are bowls looking for in that process and can they skip to let's say the fifth or sixth option if they think that that is a better option for their bowl
0: yeah good question every conference is different uh i would say the big 12 is almost is not uh, almost it is the the most clean-cut and easiest to understand and explain. Some some uh, conferences group uh, a handful of bowl games together in a pool, and they kind of work together to figure out where they go. Uh, others other conferences have a lot of what ifs. They might even be one bowl one year and a different bowl the next. Uh, the, the the Big Twelve has a very clear-cut pecking order that was pre-negotiated, and when it's when it's that bowl's turn to select, they can select for the most part anybody they want. Now there may be some subtleties to the Big 12 rules. Maybe you can't, you know, jump, uh, you know, two spots down in the standings to grab a team. Um, You know, it could be a number of things. But for the most part, when it's a bowl's turn to select based on their negotiated contract, they get to they get the next choice of Big 12 team, and it doesn't always go by the the ranking of the standings.
1: What What is most important? Because. In the past, it was ticket sales. These bowls wanted to sell out the stadium and, and get a big presence. But more and more lately, it seems like it's ad revenue and who gets the most eyeballs on TV. What are these bowls looking at? And let's maybe get specific here with Texas Tech. If the standings and the bowl standings lay out perfectly for Texas Tech, it's the Cheez-It Bowl. But what is the Cheez-It Bowl looking for maybe in a partner? So it's, it's a
0: very complex puzzle. So, you need to start to you know, by understanding the revenue sources for, for that, that that bowl games pull from, and there's really three, um, and and there may not even be a fourth. It's it's television rights fees, it's corporate sponsorship revenue, and it's ticket sales. Different percentage for you know bowl to bowl, but but those are the big three. So you know it, it's very rare you're going to have a team that fits all three of those criteria: national brand for TV. Uh, close proximity for, for ticket sales and maybe your corporate sponsor loans them, although that, that third one's a little tied into the other two. So that's when you figure out, okay, who do you have on the other side, right? If you're going to match up, um, any team against, uh, a, a team that is going to sell a ton of tickets. So they're geographic, cause they're geographically close. Then on the other side of the game, you said, okay, we could take a team that's further away, but maybe has a great name brand or had a really successful season. Right, and people are going to want to see them play. Uh, so it's a combination of those, those multiple things. Yeah, you also got to look at rematches from the regular season. You try to avoid those, try to avoid repeat appearances in bowl games if you can. Um, and, and you try to put together the best matchup. You know, I think what we're seeing, we saw that last year and and I think it's trending towards this year as well that, uh, the bowl season does a really good job of putting together intriguing matchups, whether it's two, couple of rising programs that have had breakout years or maybe it's an old rivalry that's been cast to the wayside because of conference realignment. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question. There's a lot that goes to it. It's not an exact science, but it's interesting nonetheless.
1: It is. And we saw that last year with Texas Tech who got partnered up with their old coach, Mike Leach. Um, and there certainly is an aspect to that if you're looking at Arkansas, who might be paired up in the Texas Bowl with a Big 12 team. Arkansas and Texas Tech would be the the classic Southwest conference rivalry. Um, so I, I do think there are some, some options there. Uh, and if you do bring up the sec, they might be the most convoluted uh, aspect because it's all just chosen by the conference, right? They just kind of select and you, they, or do they talk to the bowl season committee as well? And is it more of a, is it more of a partnership there or do they just tell you who's coming?
0: Well, you know, um, uh power uh, power has its privileges right, <laughs> right. And, uh a lot, lot of lot of a lot of bowls would love to have an s e c and team in their game so when they the s e c negotiated the contracts with their current bowl partners they they made it clear that they're gonna place teams in the bowls uh now again there's some rules behind the scenes that that maybe aren't aren't public in terms of how far into the team you can go uh you know to place a team in one game versus another but uh you're yeah, yeah, you're right they uh and I, I don't want to say that they don't consult with their with their bowl partners because they certainly do. And uh, but it's a complex puzzle for them as well, trying to make their membership happy and, and have everything make sense. And and they they go through the same process. They try to avoid rematches of the regular season, rematches in bowl games. Try to put together the best matchup. But they just reserve that right to make that determination them, themselves.
1: So, with the new conference commissioner here in the Big Twelve, could you see maybe some? Extension this bowl season of maybe a little power from him or is that all just kind of in the, in the books already? And maybe that's a future problem that he has to go through.
0: I think it's a little bit in the books. You know, I, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, been lucky to spend some time with Commissioner Yormark. I, I, he brings a fresh new perspective to the conference. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does. He's very eager to learn about the bowl system. He was very open about that. He, he wants to kind of observe how it works this year. Especially since it's going to, you know, it's going to be very shortly after this year that that all the conferences are going to start to renegotiate their next wave of contracts consistent with the new new CFP system. So, uh, I don't, I don't imagine him, uh, you know, trying to insert himself in, in a, uh, an unusual way this year. But I, I, I certainly think he's going to learn a lot this year and put his stamp on it in the future.
1: So, if you were uh... Maybe given some odds on the Texas Tech bowl appearance, who where would you say they're kind of leaning right now?
0: Well, you know that's hard to say. I don't want to offend anybody. I think you know, <laughs> they're fourth in the standings, um,
1: but second know, in the bowl standings, standings right? Because you know, the the top two teams the are going to Texas Bowl,
0: Liberty Bowl. I think it's kind of right right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think the Alamo Bowl will make a, a little bit of a different selection right right before that. Um, but it's hard to hard to predict exactly. What those bowls are going to do. Cause again, it depends on, on who they have on the other side of the game, you know, in a lot of, in, almost all those games, you know, uh, they're not certain what teams are going to be available to them because we got to wait and see what the CFP does. And does the does the, uh, you know, SEC get an extra team into the new year six, which bumps everybody up, for example, same thing with the big 10. So right. uh, a little bit of a latency, but I think that's, that's kind of the wheelhouse. And hey, every, uh, every bowl experience is unique wherever Texas tech, tech goes. I know the fans
1: are going to fill up. and,
0: they're gonna have a great time.
1: That was a one more question I had on the the actual bowl process. Why aren't the lower level bowls already being announced that don't kind of matter with that ending stuff? And like, let's say the the Mountain West bowls and the bowls that are going to be in the first week. Why why do we have to wait a whole other week? Because that's all it could be already scheduled, right?
0: Yes. Yes, we'd. We try to do that whenever possible, and, and, uh, and, and that was done with two bowls, the Bahamas Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl, really because those being, those balls being off the mainland, it helps those four teams get, get a head start on the planning. Right. Um, much like, you know, how I answered the previous question is, there's, there's a trickle down effect. You know, which, which conferences are gonna get an extra team in the New Year's Six, which bumps everybody up in that conference, bumps everybody down in another conference, Affects that matchup and all those synergies we discussed. Uh, even even the situation with uh, the number of bowl eligible teams. You know we, we were at seventy nine. Uh, we had a week till today. New Mexico State got a waiver, so they're our 80th. And Buffalo is playing a makeup game from the MAC on Friday. Uh, they're five and six. and they win, they'll be the 81st team. Right. So we don't even know how many teams from the MAC are in their pool to go in. So there's still just enough information that's still unknown. That causes a trickle that triple, triple <laughs> a trickle down effect on the rest of the system. That causes us have to have to wait a little bit longer than we'd
1: like. That's fair. Uh, all right, one final question. This is a fan submission. Uh, you have the the Duke's Mayo Bowl where you get mayonnaise dumped on the winning coach. You have the Idaho Potato Bowl, I believe, that dumps the French fries. Uh, you certainly could dump some Cheez-Its if you wanted to. What? Don't don't forget the Frosted Flakes. That's right, the 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 Tony the Tiger. Yeah. So, it, what bowl sponsor would you want dumped on you if you were a winning coach? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> you could um, you go off the board that some that doesn't get dumped already. What what would you want dumped on you?
0: Yeah, you know, if if the verbal Fiesta Bowl somehow a magnificent house that I
1: can live in could be dumped on me, and I somehow I slide right through a crack and I don't get injured. There you go. That, that might be a good one. That's you know, I don't know. That's certainly off the board. Yeah, maybe maybe just dump the paperwork on you. Yeah, yeah, here's a here's a new house.
0: There you go. I don't need I don't need a bank dumped on me or, or any yeah. kind of tax preparation service no, or anything no, no. like that. That's, that's boring. All
1: right, this is uh, Nick Carparelli. Uh, Nick, tell us where they can find you, where they can follow bowl season, and maybe some some things you want to talk about with your organization to kind of wrap us up here. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a good time to tune into us because we'll be we'll be announcing uh, you know the matchups as they come on Selection Sunday, so you can follow us on. All social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, at Bowl Season, very simple. And then bowlseason.com, uh, we have a, you know, throughout Bowl Season, we have a game day live page where you can go, go to the page, you can see the schedule, and you can click on the live television feed, the, the live radio feed, or the live game stats when the games are being played. So uh, people, uh, that, 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 that tends to be a very popular page for us
1: oh that does sound awesome the the live radio when you don't have any teams involved are always fun to listen to because you get the local you get the local flair there
0: that's right that's right all
1: right appreciate your time and uh excited for bowl season it's one of my favorite things the the pickums, the pools everything involved with it i know a lot of people are kind of down on bowl season lately but i think the expansion of the playoff is going to kind of revitalize what the bowl season can be
0: well, I do too, and if you if you allow me to actually speak to that, yeah. you know, I, I think the the importance of the bowl games is only going to increase with this new playoff, especially if it goes to a two network model, which all indications are that would be good for the system once you get past these initial two years, because you know when when you invest that much money in the pinnacle product, which is the, the CFP portion of the postseason, you need lead in programming, right? You these networks, ESPN now, maybe if it maybe it's Fox or or CBS or somebody else, uh, in addition to ESPN, in the future, you can't have the championships games and then no football for two weeks, right? So, where those bowl, the other bowl games are placed in and around the playoff schedule uh, to help promote that playoff, I think is going to be very, very valuable to the to the system.
1: Absolutely, and maybe we could, you know, cut five or six of them and make it a little more in- intriguing to get in.
0: Well, that's 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 another discussion. I've, I've yeah. heard that one for sure. But but they they certainly are meaningful. To, they're all meaningful to the teams who participate in them. That's for sure.
1: Absolutely. And I much prefer Texas Tech being in bowl games than not being in bowl games for sure. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us, Nick. Uh, we'll be following along at bowl season and uh, excited for Selection Sunday.
0: Anytime, you guys. You guys
1: were great. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. That was Nick Carparelli, the director, the executive director. Sorry, I don't want to shortchange your title there, of bowl season. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We've got some power rankings to talk about. We'll also power rank the NFL. Some intriguing movement from last week. We'll talk about it when we come back. It's Rob show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. welcome back it's rob bro show talk 103.9 news money sports let's get into some power rankings Uh, power ranking best people who talk about Texas Tech sports I'm not gonna tell you if I'm saying five to one or one to five uh but it is myself Rob bro this is not me saying this this is the text Rob bro Ryan Hyatt Casey Cowan Chris level RC Maxwell Maxwell Max field what's his name RC Power rankings of this texter's opinions on who the most important Dallas Cowboy is right now. That is, this is a great, this is what I want. This is what I dreamed of when I asked for power rankings. Number five, Brett Maher, because he's a really good kicker. Four, CeeDee Lamb, because he's the best wide receiver on the team. Yes, he is. Number three, Tony Pollard, because he's the best running back on the team. Yes, he is, but... Y'all need to quit sleeping on Zeke Elliott's importance. Okay? Healthy Zeke is very good for 10 carries and short yardage. And if you don't need to bash Tony Pollard in short yardage, don't. Zeke is capable. But I agree that Tony Pollard is the best running back on the roster right now. Dak Prescott, because he's the quarterback, yeah. And that's hard to argue. The quarterback is the most important. And Dak Prescott provides the biggest swing. If Tony Pollard has a bad game, other people can step up. If if C.D. Lamb has a bad game, other people can step up. If Dak has a bad game, the Cowboys have a bad game. Number one, Micah Parsons, because he's the NFL's best defensive player. He won the midseason defensive player of the year. I think he's in MVP discussions. People forget. And I know the defensive coordinator changed too. But the Cowboys went from the worst defense in the NFL, added Micah Parsons and others. I get it. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch got healthy. Uh, DeMarcus uh, Lawrence got healthy. A lot of things happened, but no Micah Parsons, worst defense in the NFL. Micah Parsons, top five defense in the NFL. He opens up Tank Lawrence. He opens up the defensive tackles. He rushes from both levels of the defense. He plays nickel. He does everything. This texter living in the 501 area of Raiderland, I'm assuming that is Arkansas. I can tell you that Hog fans have moved on to basketball after a very disappointing 6-6 season. As good as Hog fans are, and they're great, I just do not see them attending a bowl game en masse, even if it's next door in Memphis or Shreveport. Also think a monster running quarterback and running back pose a bad matchup for Texas Tech. I think Arkansas fans would travel to watch a game against Texas Tech. And I think that's one of those, and I underrated it, but but I think that's one of those special matchups where you might, you might force a Texas Bowl matchup and kind of move up Arkansas and move down Texas Tech. And put those two teams together. And is it a bad matchup? I don't know. You're pretty tough on defense. I would like to see it. I would much prefer a running team than a team that's going to hit you deep. And if Kendall Bryles is going to be gone, if he's going to take the Florida Atlantic head coaching job... uh you're going to have a new offensive coordinator call and plays anyways. Uh, Old bowl power rankings. The texter clarifies these are all real games. Number five, the Poulon Weed Eater Bowl. Number four, the Gotham Bowl. Number three, the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl. Number two, the Dixie Bowl. And number one, the Salad Bowl. I remember the Salad Bowl. Not that I watched it, but... Who was I looking at the other day? The first bowl they ever went to was the Salad Bowl. I think it was Houston. The first bowl the Houston Cougars ever went to was the Salad Bowl. I That might be where I discovered it, just the, like in the last week or two. NFL power rankings. In the AFC, there are 10 AFC teams that I could put in these power rankings, mostly at number 5. I think they're all interchangeable, but there are six seven maybe seven teams in the nfc let's run through them on the afc side the chiefs the dolphins the bills the bengals and the titans i'm still in on the jets as a playoff team but i think they're the third best team in their division right now tough for them on the other side the eagles the cowboys the 49ers the Vikings, and I'm still in on the Seahawks, even though they're six and five. But it's the NFC, and everyone is available. The Giants off my top five. I don't think they're a good team. I think they were overperforming early. I think Daniel Jones is bad, but you know who is also bad, but a winner, because you could be a bad quarterback and a, a just a dog, a good football player, Heineke. I'm putting the Commanders in the power rankings at six. Dude just wins. If you switched Heineke and and Daniel Jones, the Commanders would be in contention to win the division. We'll be back tomorrow. I've been Rob Bro. I'll be Rob Bro tomorrow. We'll back at the Raiderland, 11 a.m. See you then.